when that bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We can, you can do it. We know you can do it. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes to try to push you through because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Squarespace. Squarespace. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who loves a good punter's duel, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I'm ready for the Celtics to beat the Lakers in the NBA Finals, I guess. That's... (laughs) That's what's happening now. And the Bruins right. beat the Kings. I'm not the Kings. Yeah, the Kings. Uh, is that the LA team? I don't know hockey, but you, you see what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I guess, but uh, n- neither of those teams are getting to the NBA Finals. But uh, Boston uh, rules. LA drools is what I'm, is what I'm <laughs> required right, to you. say. I get you. Uh, boy, that was a that was a Super Bowl. We're recording immediately after the end of that uh, that thing, and uh, you know we 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 endured the game, we endured the ASMR commercial. <laughs> uh, it, you know it's it's fun, but we got so much to talk about this week. So much there, we are literally drowning in news. We got amazing games to talk about, and we have a great guest to do it with. This is somebody I wanted to have on the show for a while now. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week I'm excited because DLC stands for Done With A Little Comedy, because we have the co-founder of Kinda Funny, as well as one of Forbes 30 Under 30 for 2019, Mr. Tim Geddes is here for the first time. Welcome, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. Man, that intro is very hype. It got, it got my blood flowing. I'm ready for this. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, you know, probably uh, full of, of wings and pizza and finger foods from the Super Bowl. So we got yep. to hype you know it up a little do. bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a slow crash the next 90 minutes. <laughs> all of yeah, us. Exactly. Here for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's not waste any more time because uh, there's a ton to talk about. So let's start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com, where folks hang out, talk about the show, talk about video games. I invite you to join them. It's a good place, good people. Tim, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider your story of the week i've got to go with the surprise titanfall battle royale release uh that's coming out tomorrow supposedly actually i guess now it's official yeah um vince ampella just tweeted out saying that uh the game is real and we're gonna know everything by tomorrow at 8 a.m when they do a twitch stream probably by the time you are listening to this dear listener uh it has already happened and you're probably even able to play it at this point but we are in mere speculation mode because uh, this all happened very quickly it turned from a rumor into a real thing into a surprise wake up tomorrow morning it's going to be a game uh but this is really cool evidently there is going to be a battle royale uh, made by respawn 
uh, in the Titanfall universe. Uh, evidently, it's called Apex Legends, and it's going to be uh, announced and released just lickety split, evidently tomorrow morning, as we're recording this tomorrow morning, but as you're listening to this, probably uh, in your past. So, Tim, what to make of all this? This is a Beyonce drop from Respawn. This this is huge. Um, honestly, like, you know, it's one of those things we'll see the quality of the game tomorrow. Um, but just the news itself, I think, is kind of industry defining where this is a, a perfect example of where we're at with marketing um, these days. Like we always see the the kind of influencer culture that's been going on the last couple of years with YouTube and Twitch streamers um, kind of rising up. Um, but this idea of this this huge triple a game uh being dropped without anyone really knowing about it going into it like there's been some rumblings here and there but like no one would have expected it it, it was going to be a battle royale that kind of has mobile like hero features uh, like so it's kind of black ops 4 mixed with titanfall but without the titans but with the the characters and heroes and style of overwatch with free to play shadow drop all that happening and i feel like the way that they they have been doing this is brilliant if they had that influencer um day where they had them all come out and play the game i feel like this wasn't a leak it was planned um Mm -hmm. i feel like they they expected for there to be all these like rumors and, and talk going on this weekend going into tomorrow there's no better promotion than having all of the top streamers playing a game at once and that's exactly what's going to happen tomorrow without them having to pay anybody the fire festival of game releases <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it's better than that <laughs> yeah so yes i i have a lot of faith in respawn I, i'm a big fan of titanfall 2 especially and and all the games they've made but um um my question to you is this is ea and they've been spending the last month or so revving up the engines for anthem which is yeah. going to be a big multiplayer you know multiplayer uh online experience is this eating their own lunch? Man, it, that's such an interesting conversation because I see it. There's there's two sides to it for me where, one, I'm super surprised that EA would uh, announce a game this way, which in my opinion is the right way to do something. Like you need to be able to, to act on that hype and have that call to action immediately or else you kind of just fizz out and you're just another game, especially in a world right now with the free to play and with – um, games as service being as big as they are you look back a couple years to uh, when bethesda announced fallout 4 and then it released three months later like that is the kind of turnaround we're we're, we're um, used to these days and anticipating these days or else you get things like kingdom hearts 3 where they take so long to come out that it's kind, there's kind of like a, a weird cloud over them the entire time uh, yeah. despite the quality of the game having said that uh you look at the other side and you're like EA, what are you doing? Why would you put have this huge marketing blitz for a game when you have Anthem a couple weeks out and that's going to be a hard sell to a lot of people? Yeah. Yeah, it does seem like an like odd timing if you're going to do a surprise release of a game anyway, why not put it when you're not already trying to get people to to pony up and and be part of something that is equally time investment, multiplayer, you know, get it into this universe that's sort of sci-fi and shootery. It's it seems very strange, uh, especially looking at the history of Respawn and how this happened last time with Titanfall yes, Two. I know. Where it's like, did you not learn the lesson of don't fight 
your games against your own games. Yeah. Uh, with, when when Battlefield came out right next to Titanfall Two, it really just you know took the the breath out of of, of the launch of Titanfall Two, a game with an amazing campaign um, and a game that was a highly anticipated sequel because Titanfall One was the first kind of huge exclusive game of next gen which i guess is now not next gen anymore uh current gen but like when it was the the game coming out on xbox it was the i remember at e3 when when it was first shown like it won ign's game of the show that year for good reason it it was the first time we saw something like oh this is what these consoles are capable of it launched it was a little light on content which is very representative of a lot of games these days um but titanfall 2 was kind of the answer to all that but it came out within wasn't like a week. Yeah, it was like it was right between Call of Duty and Battlefield. It was wedged Ugh. between those massive releases, and it just yeah, it, it really was a, a unfortunate timing. And it seems like EA is uh, is doing that again. And you know, this doesn't this isn't Titanfall three. This isn't maybe uh, as tentpole a release. And I, I hope they're still working on ten Titanfall three for what mm. it's worth. Uh, there has been word that Respawn has multiple projects, including a VR project um, that they're working on. So who knows what this is but christian what's your take on all this it's it's a it's a crazy cool thing we've commented many times on the show about uh our appreciation of more compressed pr timelines where Mm -hmm. the announcement of a thing and the release of the thing are much more compressed doesn't get much more compressed than this yeah i think it's interesting I, i think one the last time we saw this or that i remember seeing this with a battle royale type game was radical heights which didn't yeah, it, that didn't that didn't work out too well. Didn't it work out too well? I don't think this is the same. I'm not implying that this is the same thing for Respawn, and this is kind of a Hail Mary to keep the studio open because they have this Star Wars thing that they are plugging away on still, and, and you'd assume the backing of, uh, of, of EA still. But it does seem odd to kind of launch a Battle Royale this way. Um, and then I think, Tim, to your point about the influencer release, it's such a weird world, Jeff. Like, Jeff, you made the joke about the fire Festival of it all. I think there are a couple of points there where it's like, I, I agree, Tim, that it's like a, a good cost-free way to get hype for your game. But I wonder how much longer, or maybe that, that candle is already, you know, burnt its in all the way down where it's like, it's free, so to speak. But are, are is the general consumer becoming jaded of this thing where literally today, Sunday, as we're recording this, all of these influencers have the exact same uh, copy tweet saying the same thing. Like at what point is someone telling you how they feel? And at what point are they, is it wagging the dog where they are Mm -hmm. hyped about this thing and genuinely hyped about it, but they're also hyped about it because it's exclusive content for their channel. And that will drive viewers and engagement for their Twitch stream or their YouTube channel or whatever. And then they're playing this game. Like, this is awesome. This is so incredible. And then two months from now, they're still playing Fortnite, you know, or whatever their yeah. bread and butter is. And I think it's this world we're, we're starting to see that um, all of that kind of come to a head. And I think Fire Festival was a great example of it outside of gaming. And I wonder when gaming will have it. I hope it's not this because I've loved everything Respawn and mm-hmm. Infinity Ward before the OG Infinity Ward has done. But I'm I'm a little nervous about this this rollout of like copy paste tweet it's so amazing i am so hype and then some people use the hashtag ad and others mm-hmm. didn't which is like ftc concerns it's very interesting this way of doing um pr and i don't think we've learned it <laughs> the, the right way to do it just yet definitely you know i think that it's a uh, genre by genre and also kind of 
like budgetary scale case by case situation of triple A versus indie game versus whatever it is. The Radical Heights situation, I think there's a lot more politics at play um, with how that all went down, um, just in terms of who was involved with making the game and, and all of that. But when I when I'm looking at this, I feel like this is one of the the very very rare instances. And when it comes to these free to play games that are kind of built around the idea of streaming. You know, these these games were created with an understanding that they're going to live or die based on whether or not Dr. Disrespect streams the game, yeah. you know. Um, and when a couple of years ago we saw the with PewDiePie with a lot of the indie games, it's like if he mentioned a game, it would sell a million copies. You know, right. I feel like that's that day has has left us a little bit, but it's shifted over to this thing of these guys aren't journalists. You know, their their opinions on the games aren't why people are going to them. Uh, right. They're not going to people to get a review of this game. Them saying it's awesome, them saying it's trash, it almost doesn't matter. They're going there to watch them play, right? right. And I feel like these these games are kind of now tentpole experiences of everyone's going to be playing it at once and everyone's going to be watching. And it's almost – it doesn't matter what their opinion on the game is because everyone's going to be watching them play and they'll decide if they want to play it or not. Hmm. I think that's interesting. I think it's how they play, right? And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason these channels are popular is that it's um, best friends hanging out. It's you know, it's like a oh, yeah. whoa, we did this thing. Whoa, no, ah! and, instead mm-hmm. of being like oh, uh, jump doesn't feel good. Like they're not approaching it from exactly. uh, a critical or analytical standpoint. It's like we're oh, this is amazing. Throw me that beer. Pass me that Mountain Dew. Let's have fun. And when mm-hmm. you watch that, I think it's super engaging, and you kind of buy into that community. Um, but then I wonder how often people go to play the game themselves and are like, Oh, I'm here alone. And my kids are asleep. This game's not that great. (laughs) I guess the thing is like you, I mean, you can, but it's very difficult to, to fake that uh, level of interaction over a long period of time. Hmm, And that's why I think that we, with, with a lot of the streamers, we've seen them stick to one game for a couple months, but then take a break and go play something else for a while and then come back maybe. And that, when they come back, that's the sign that like, oh, this game actually does have something very special to it. And I think Fortnite's a great example of that with their the battle pass and the seasons. Um, where we'll see a lot of people kind of dip out and then come back in because Epic has created such a great um, stream of content that is valuable to people. And like it makes events like the thing that just happened last night with the the marshmallow concert in game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's easy for us to roll our eyes at that and look at that because like, you know, from our side of things, we're kind of just like Oh, kids these days, what is it, what what are they doing? Why would you like this? This is such a weird marketing ploy. But at the same time, millions of people enjoyed it. You know, yeah. it's something different that's never been done in video games before. And that's what I think these type of games can do is push the limits of like where games are at and where they might be in a couple of years from an interaction standpoint, even if it's not a gameplay interaction. And whether or not that's a good thing, I don't know. But there's a lot of money there for sure. And there's a lot of entertainment there. And I think that that's the most important thing is this sounds like a weird thing to say, but like sometimes games don't need to be fun to play. They just need to be, there needs to be entertainment and fun about them, watching them, hearing about them, what talking about them. Sometimes that's the value. Right. Well, I think you make a good point there because, but I think what you're saying too earlier was that uh, the cream still rises to the top, right? There's, you see games like um, like the Friday the Thirteenth game comes to mind that mm-hmm. with people were having fun because of its jank, you know, like there was yeah. a there was a joy to watching the bugs and the weird stuff that would happen in the game, but it didn't have the staying power of other things because 
that's only fun for so long. Mm-hmm. And then the, what people come back to, as you've been saying, is the stuff that's actually high quality and, and sustainable and has a, a much longer tail because the content itself is worthwhile. So mm-hmm. I still think that's encouraging that, you know, the best stuff still seems to win out. Um, and so you still have to have quality. And I don't want to talk about this story too long, but the thing we haven't mentioned yet is, Tim, I'm curious, do you think there's room for yet another Battle Royale, this one in the Titanfall universe? Do you think this is going to be a good product? I, I do. Uh, and I do because I think that it's a very kind of cyclical, seasonal thing with these games where, you know, the, again, it, it all comes back to the streamers. This game is being made for streamers. It's not being made for the same people that were playing Call of Duty uh, Modern Warfare. You know, mm-hmm. it's I feel like it seems like it is. But no, the, the, these games are totally designed with a different point of view in mind. And I think that that, that works on this this um, cycle of, OK, people playing Fortnite season seven now. But then this is going to come out. They'll play this for a couple months, play something else. And then if this game succeeds at giving them another reason to come back months later, that's the way that it'll it'll keep going and it'll grow. Um, as On the games as a service side, we see Ubisoft does an amazing job of this, of putting games out and having them be good, Rainbow Six Siege, right? But then a year later, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. And then six months after that, they're amazing again. Even though yeah. three months before that, no one was playing. It kind of dropped off for a bit because everyone was playing Assassin's Creed or everyone was playing you know, um, whatever they, they put out divisions about to come out soon. And it's like, I don't think that the same people playing um, destiny are going to be the people that are not going to buy division because they're like, Oh, I'm only doing destiny. Destiny's working on a cycle that allows them to then go into division. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder if that's going to work with Anthem and division though, c- coming out, you know, within days of each other. Yeah. I, uh, I wonder. Anthem has a lot to prove. You know, I've, we, we've heard a lot of good things about it from a gameplay perspective. Um, obviously, there was a, a big issue um, last week with people being able to get into the demo and all of that. But that's how demos go. That's not making excuses, but that's just a fact. Um, once yeah. the game actually launches, we'll see. I'm sure it's going to have a ton of issues uh, with online when it first starts. But a month later, when it kind of like cools down, we'll see. Are people still playing it? Is it a quality game? Is is it the, the game that EA, quite frankly, needs it to be to win back any good faith? Because right now they are not respected in any any way whatsoever. Well, uh, it'll be – you know, I think this – it very well could be one of those games that six months later, later you're going, oh my god, Anthem is finally the game mm-hmm. that they said it was going to be. It just took, you know, three content updates and a bunch of bug fixes to make it – the game that we all thought it was going to be at launch. I, it feels like that it feels yeah. like, Oh, end game is going to be thin. There's not tons to do yet, but we have these long-term goals and it's like, okay, well maybe we shouldn't have been playing this game until all of that actually was in the game, but now we're sort of playing a long-term, you know, beta. Process. Exactly. And, and I think that's the biggest problem they have going into this is they're EA. They're not Ubisoft. Ubisoft right. has proven that it, it knows how to put out games that, even if they're a little shallow at the beginning, there's still there's still meat there. There's still something good. It's not just the side dish. I'm worried Anthem might just be the side dish, and the the main course isn't going to come till too late. Kind of like we saw with Destiny Two, yeah. um, but we'll see. We will, and we won't have to wait too long to see about this uh, this Titanfall game either. Christian, what's your story of the week? 
Well, we can dovetail right into it. There's a lot of stuff. One, I just want to say, Spicer Thomas is right. But that I won't. I won't waste time on that. We'll wait for. We'll wait for me to be right till later in the year. Still. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna. You were gonna crow about that one big time. Yeah, I mean, it, there's still months for me to to crow or to be wrong <laughs> and be glad I didn't crow. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you guys see this Anthem release chart? Speaking of Anthem and EA, mm-hmm. and when you're playing it and. Here's a you bought a what hundred dollar version of a game, but you don't get to play it when other people get to play it, and you're on. Just simply cross reference the platform (laughs) you bought it on with the the three (laughs) adjectives that were in your version and the dates that are listed across the top as to when you'll be able to play. Uh, It's a it's a sixteen step process, but very simple if you just follow the steps (laughs) to the letter. We've seen stuff like this before with uh, like pre order version, like you get the this cape, and if you order from here, and this hood, if you order, like games have certainly done this stuff before, and and releases have been uh, kind of all over the place too with like the $100 version gets you in four days earlier and EA's done this with Madden and other games where you buy one version, you're playing it first. But just the, re- the release of this chart kind of distilled down to one image. Uh, which, how it's also... Go ahead. It's, it's kind of cool of them to do, like in a sense, right. it's it's actually a nice service that they're making it all in one, one image. But yes, you're right. It kind of undermined itself. It's, right. It's super helpful. But then you see it and, and you're like, this is helpful. And then you slap yourself in the head eight times because you're yeah, like, how exactly. is this? How is this what it is? But uh, how this kind of relates to uh, Agent or Titanfall, whatever. Uh, what is that called again? Apex, Apex Legends uh, is that. For a while, Anthem has been insistent there's no PvP in the game, and I wonder if Apex Legends is kind of our reason why, and that's how they're they're separating these two. Um, I wonder if there's a release chart that says the content that Apex Legends and Anthem have in common, and not it's like a bunch. Of, do you play with friends? Venn diagram together? <laughs> yeah, part you, uh, versus them, or yeah. But do you, this, how big do you like your robots? Right, <laughs> human right, size, yeah. slightly more than human size. Do you crawl in it, or does it drop? Like, how do you get in it? <laughs> yeah. Um, this release chart, though, I think the thing that is becoming uh, irritating for me is this idea of what type of subscription service you have and how that affects your access. So there's EA or Origin Access. That gets you a 10-hour trial, but if you're but not the full game. But Origin Access Premier, you'll get the full game early. And if you spent on the Legion of Dawn edition, you don't get early access or a 10-hour trial. But if you got this other version of pre-order, you get it early. And there's I, I understand the reasoning behind this kind of thing, but there has to be a simpler way to do it, right? Like, Tim, if you ruled the world, there has to be a simpler way to do this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does get complicated with all of the the different consoles and having, like, even if you look at this, it's like two of these are the exact same thing. It's just one's on PC and one's on Xbox. But yet they still had to make it clear because technically they're different services, EA Access and Origin Access, you know? Right. Um, yeah, th- I really do wish it was simpler, but like going off what Jeff said, like at least they did this. They could have just not. <laughs> um, but th- it, it's just weird. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the, the solution is because, you know, they obviously see dollar signs with the Origin store and like, we're, we're at such a weird place in 2019 where there are so many subscription services and people are just used to it. Like uh, even things like Hulu, it's like, oh, you you can still pay for the product but still see ads. Like that blows my mind. Um, but people are just used to that and okay with that. And they also have Netflix and they also have, you know, X, Y, and Z of whatever is out there. But now we're seeing this rise of new game stores, new game platforms with 
uh, with Epic Game Store kind of rising up and uh, competing with Steam, which is crazy to me because a couple years ago, Steam was just ubiquitous and it was like, oh, they're never even going to be challenged. Like that's where people buy games on. It was PC. If you want to, like that's where you got the PC game. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like now there is Origin, there is Ubisoft's thing, whatever it's called, I forget. Um, But you know, and those have kind of just been in you the play. Sh- you play exactly. Those yes. have just been in the shadows for a long time. Like no one's ever, no one really talks about them unless it's like, you know, things like this. But it kind of reminds me of uh, with like Xbox Game Pass, right? Which is such a great, great feature. Um, then on the other side, you got PlayStation with their uh, PlayStation Now, and then that was such a poor launch, and it sucked so bad that. No one ever talks about it positively, yet years later, it now almost functions exactly like Xbox Game Pass. And I feel mm-hmm. like with next generation, we're going to see this like relaunch, essentially, of what PS Now is. And on the Xbox side, like I just feel like it's going to be simplified where your Xbox Live subscription is also going to get you Game Pass. And on the PlayStation side, your PS Plus is also going to get you PS Now. And it's like that stuff is going to simplify it enough, at least on the console level. But then there's these publisher levels. And it's like, you need to be really in the Ubisoft ecosystem to want to do Uplay. You need to be really one of the guys that's like, you know what? I need Anthem as soon as possible to want to do this Origin Access premiere and all that stuff. But I think that this type of image is just trying to tell people, hey, if you're on the edge of thinking you're that guy, you should probably give us more money. Yeah, and, I, and I think that you know ultimately it's going to be the kind of thing that it's really only about when you'll get to play the game at the beginning. So ultimately it's the kind of thing that's nobody's going to remember in six months because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just about what day is the start day, but it's unnecessarily confusing and convoluted and it muddles when the game is actually being released. Cause all these different people are playing at all these different times and it seems weird. And it's one of those, like, one of those examples of no good deed goes unpunished, you know, cause they're really trying to make it easy and clear. And then everybody skewers the image yep. cause it looks so stupid. It does but, look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you bring up uh, another point of, of, of other news that happened this week. So might as well just dovetail right into that and talk about uh, the different storefronts because we're seeing – I think the the trend that I saw as the Epic Game Store was announced and it was launching and people were, were kind of – at least our perspective here on this show was excited that there was going to be competition in this marketplace and Steam was going to have to you know, maybe be more competitive and try new things in order to keep its its dominance in the market. But there seems to be pushback now that Epic is actually making moves to have exclusivity. This week, we saw news that Metro Exodus is going to be exclusive on the Epic's game store. Come on, for it at exodus least it out of Steam. <laughs> it got exodus out Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Uh, exclusive for at least a year. So Steam is still honoring any pre-orders, but the game is not available on Steam for at least a year, at least until February 2020. And that has gotten a lot of people upset. In fact, people are review bombing uh, other metro games in retaliation which i think is silly but it it's interesting even in our forums uh we had some people uh, talking about it a biscuit parade posted in our forum uh a, 
a post on Reddit um, saying it's just awful. They have terrible security, terrible customer service. The games are more expensive due to Epic's regional pricing. You can't play the games offline. There's no social features like chat, no screenshots, no controller support. They have broke EU laws. They really have scummy tactics. There's no achievements, no cloud saves, no game forums. Epic makes you pay for transaction fees when you buy games. They pay for exclusive rights to try and force you to use their store, but they also re- uh, refuse refunds even if you meet the criteria. There's no user reviews, no Linux support. So a lot of people are upset that Epic is doing this. What is your feeling on this, Tim? Are, are, do you feel like competition is good or are, you, are, are these exclusives uh, hurting the PC market? I'm a little bit outside of this because I'm not uh, that big of a PC gamer. So I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel weird even uh, commenting on it from a like user p- perspective. But you know, I, I don't know that the whole competition is good thing necessarily applies here because, you know, Steam has just been doing its thing for a long time. And I, I feel like this is at the earliest level is a minor annoyance for people where they're going to have to have too many damn launchers on their desktops to, to have to go get things. But if you have a PC, you can download all these things for free. It's not like you have to go buy a different console. So the idea of right. this exclusivity isn't isn't as dire as it sounds when you just read the sentence. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not like you can't play it on your PC now. It's just you have to download this other piece of software. Exactly. Play. Having said that, that's pretty annoying though. And when yeah. with adding all the other things I just said with the EA Origin and with uh, Ubisoft Uplay and like who knows how many other things will be, like that does get kind of annoying pretty quickly. Um, and uh, Mr. Biscuit Parade brings up some really good points here um, about the the regional pricing and not being able to play online or offline and the social features and all that stuff. Like th- that's the type of level that like I'm not prepared to to talk about. But that sucks, you know. Yeah. Especially if Steam allows that. Um, that's where the exclusivity thing does kind of get in the way and and create some issues. Well, people point out that when Steam launched, it didn't have 90% of that stuff either. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's the kind of thing that will be added to the Epic Game Store over time. But which... when Steam launched, you have to look at what the era in which you're launching. Like that kind of makes sense. But also when Steam launched, there wasn't a rival to look at and have feature parity with. It's kind of like, how does Nintendo's online service launch after Xbox 360? Xboxes has been around since 360 and not have what the competing right. features have, right? So it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Steam didn't launch with that. But Steam also launched when Half-Life was still a game series that was going to span three games, you know? Like, <laughs> that's true, but you know, Epic isn't Nintendo. Um, I'm one of the biggest Nintendo fans in the world, but I know that they are just kind of going to keep putting out their games and people are going to be like, where's the achievements? And where's this? And why is the online suck? It's going to continue to. Like, they're just doing their, their, <laughs> they're marching their own drum. But you look at Epic, and especially, I would say, since the launch of Fortnite, they have been extremely transparent. Um, anytime there's been an issue, they get ahead of the problem. They'll, they'll you know, on Twitter or on their forums or anywhere, they make blog posts. They, they explain what's going on. They say, hey, there's an issue here. We're going to fix it. And then they usually fix it in a, you know, pretty quick turnaround. Um, this is the type of thing where, I, again, not knowing too much about this, would look at it and be like, oh, these are things that maybe they didn't even really consider. Now that people are complaining about them, I do expect them to kind of get on it and fix it really soon. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it sounds like people want them. A lot of those features I really don't care. I mean, I don't need forums in my launcher. I don't, you know, I, that stuff I don't care about, but clearly some people do. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to the fact that. Valve takes 30% of, of the developer's money 
and Epic's asking for 12. And well, ultimately, it, that's what you're seeing, why you're seeing all of these. It's more these than 12. that, though. Uh, we talked about this last week, but uh, since then, Tim Sweeney, probably like what the second or third best Tim that talks about video games on the internet. Um, <laughs> he talked about in a Reddit post saying that these exclusives don't come to stores for free. The result of some combination of marketing commitments, development funding, or revenue guarantees. This all helps developers. And people tried to like nail him down on like, oh, so you're paying for development of this. So it's some of these exclusives, Epic, people from Epic have outright said they paid for in some form or fashion uh over and above the revenue split yes i I do not doubt that one bit but i also think that you're going to see a lot of smaller developers who aren't going to get those sweet deals go there simply for the the bigger slice of the pie Uh, and maybe they won't be exclusive but it's a it's a you know it's a good deal much better deal from a developer standpoint you're gonna ask you know does valve deserve 30 percent of the price of a thing for just having the store. I don't know. I don't know. If that's the uh, store that everybody's in, yes. Well, but that's the I, whole point. Of, like, <laughs> right. now it's not. Exactly. You know? exactly. Yeah. And that's uh, the thing is, like, you know, we're talking about exclusives here. And Metro Exodus, like, that is, that's a big, big get. Um, but yeah. the majority of the games on Steam that, you know, this the, the, the different um, price splits are going to really affect are the smaller indie guys. And you got to imagine they're just going to be everywhere they can. You know, like, this, yeah, there right. being more stores, cool. That's just a different user base for them to tap into. Well, it's interesting because THQ Nordic, uh, who (laughs) developed Metro Exodus, uh, put out a statement and they're kind of passing the buck. They're saying the decision to publish Metro Exodus as a timed Epic Store exclusive was made entirely on Coke Media's side. Coke Media owns THQ Nordic and they say as uh, Metro is their intellectual property. So they're saying they don't want to do that for future titles, but they may not be the ones to have the say. They're saying they're push, pushing back against their corporate overlords, but ultimately they don't get to determine whether or not they're an exclusive. It's uh, it's all uh, at a pay grade higher than theirs, evidently. So lots of stuff going on. And Christian, you're absolutely right. These are big deals and these are big uh, moves by Epic to try to get people to use their store and if, you know, they get big games, they're going to pay for those big games so that people use their store. Um, and ultimately, you know, I think in general competition is good, but I do think there are, you know, Biscuit Parade makes a good point that if it's not a a comparable experience, ultimately the end user suffers for that. Mm-hmm. So we shall see. All right. My story of the week is... Well, I want to name check something real quick just because we we literally just saw the Super Bowl and there were, uh, you know, Super Bowl commercials are always a big deal. And there was one in particular, the video game Super Bowl commercial that's not your run of the mill one. And I just wanted to name check it because I, I think it's really special and I'm really pleased. Microsoft did a commercial for their adaptive controller, which is the controller made for people who have a hard time using normal uh controllers, the the usual controllers that come with video game systems for a whole variety of reasons. And the adaptive controller is a remarkable piece of hardware that allows you to create a custom setup and plug a bunch of different kinds of peripherals, custom peripherals to service a whole bunch of different needs for for different people that that have all kinds of different input needs. Uh, And the commercial itself, I was bawling by the end. It is beautiful and wonderful and life affirming and the kind of thing that makes me love video game. So I just wanted to, before I even get into my story of the week, I just want to name check that and say, good, good job, Microsoft. Thank you for actually 
painting video games in a beautiful, positive light on the biggest stage of them all. Absolutely, man. I feel like Microsoft's been doing such a good job uh, in in the last two years. Like Phil Spencer has just turned that ship around so, so hard. And this is another great example of it. Of the controller existing, uh, for one, was huge. Yeah. You know, Steven Spawn was such a huge um, influence in that happening. And like the all the able gamer stuff that's been going on is just fantastic to see because everyone should be able to to play games. And uh, to see them like focus on it during the Super Bowl, I think it's just such a great move from them from every perspective. And also it was a great commercial. It was. Yeah, I, I just I thought it was beautiful. And it's great for them to spend that kind of money to get that message out. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I'm so glad that they did that anyway. So my actual story of the week is another kind of crazy game announcement that came out of nowhere. <laughs> didn't see it coming. Didn't hear about it. But it's almost like somebody is making a game just for me. Uh, the Groundhog Day sequel that is a, going to be a VR game. So Tequila Works, the studio that made The Invisible Hours, which is a game I, I enjoyed a lot, uh, announced that Groundhog Day, like father, like son, is coming out. It is a sequel, pseudo-sequel, to uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, the Bill Murray classic Groundhog Day. They announced it on Groundhog Day, which was this week, and that it's going to be a full VR game for Oculus, uh, Vive, and PSVR. And you're going to play as Phil Connors' son, Phil Connors Jr., and you're going to replay the same day over and over again. It's going to be full of puzzles. And uh, we don't have a release date yet, but I just love that this is happening. I know, I know, I know that these are the kinds of things that tend to be terrible. <laughs> they tend to be terrible. They get the oh, video sorry, game sorry. You, sorry, you messed up. Start again? Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. To me, this Don't is forget a... your booties because it's cold. <laughs> this yeah. is a what, um, why, how, and thank you. I need this. I, want, I need yeah, this in I my life. This. I want this to be good so bad, Tim. Tell me this is going to be good. <laughs> I mean, hey, it has the chance. Tequila Works is great. Like This, yeah. this is one of those weird things that – is just weird enough that it could work a puzzle game in the Groundhog Day universe? Like, all right. Like, yeah. th- they wouldn't be making this unless somebody had the idea that worked. You know what I mean? Like, this, it's not I like, so. it's not like this is a, a Star Wars, like, random thing. It's not like it's like some brand name that people care about. Like, this is, like, I guess Alien would probably be a better, better example. This isn't just like, I mean, oh, I- we're going to use the Alien IP and just throw it on whatever game we had. This was obviously yeah. people like, we have something here and it's Groundhog Day. I hope I, so. I mean, I played the 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 Ghostbusters VR game that was no, not that great. And I mean, there's been other ones that were like, we're going to make the sequel to the movie. You're mm-hmm. not going to get a real movie movie sequel. We're going to make the video game sequel or like uh, Telltale's Back to the Future was yeah. like not that great. But you know, imagine, those- imagine this, you're in VR and every, it's a puzzle game. And every time you mess up a puzzle, you start back at the beginning of the game instantly, right? Like... <laughs> It could be so fun and so frustrating. Like that's the hard part about this being in VR because Groundhog Day was a great movie to watch, but living that life would suck. <laughs> no, yeah, no, over eight, eight hours. This is a little excessive too. It's uh, yeah, it's a forty-five minute game that you play over eight hours. Oh man, <laughs> no, no. I think that ultimately, you know, the idea would be that you would learn new things and you would uh, you you'd, you'd be able to take new pathways because you figured something else out. You know, you get to be the desperado one time, and you mm-hmm. you get to you know. I love that movie. I want this game to be good. Yeah, like father, like son. I don't know. Phil Connors Jr. All of it gives me a little bit of the uh oh feeling, but <laughs> I'm gonna stay positive and I'm gonna I'm gonna get excited for this game. Gotta love it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, 
what else? There's tons, tons, tons of news this week. And we can't pass over the thing that I thought for sure was going to be Christian Spicer's uh, uh, game or uh, story of the week. We're getting a new switch in 2019, evidently. Um, there's I've been there's, telling you that for two years. Eventually, it's going to be right. <laughs> uh, in our prediction show, Christian every year has been saying a uh, new switch this year. This year, it might actually happen. Evidently, in 2019, we're going to get the smaller, less functional switch, uh, which, uh, you know, it's pure Nintendo. Like, we put out the thing, and then we put out the thing that works not quite as well. <laughs> it's cheaper, but it does most. <laughs> Stuff. Dude, here's the, um, here's the thing with this, man. I, I, I've been also predicting it for a while, but I've been predicting specifically it's going to be 2019, either the end of 2019 or within the first two months of 2020. And the reason for that is Pokemon Gen 8. Like the, mm. the, the reason that this needs to exist, a smaller version of a Switch, the 2DS version of the 3DS, is it is not going to be a household's first Switch. It's going to be their second. It's going to be for the little brother, the little sister that wants to play. The smaller, it. less functional version of someone. And that's exactly <laughs> what it is. And we've seen them do this time and time again. And like the 2DS is a perfect example. They announced it and all the games media people made fun of it, yet it sold so well. It's a lot of people's favorite console once they actually got their hands on it, uh, or at least um, handheld. And the the thing is, everyone is looking at this switch, and I've been saying for for a while now, like they're gonna release one that potentially doesn't have the Joy Cons removable. It is gonna just be more similar looking to a, a PlayStation Vita, right? Where it's just one mm. solid thing that'll be cheaper for them to make and cheaper for them to sell. Um, and everyone's like, "Well, that gets rid of the whole Switch thing." And it's like, "Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen, the 2DS got rid of the 3D <laughs> in the 3DS. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, they yeah, don't care. Like they, they don't care. Is right. It is it's absolutely right. Wild <laughs> enough that Nintendo would still do it, even though then Mario Party Switch would be unplayable. One Two Switch would be unplayable. Like, I think there might be one where the Switch the Joy-Con still come off, but it's not dockable. But also, Nintendo is the company who would release yeah. a Switch where the Joy-Cons don't come off and you literally can't play some of their older games on it. And they would just be like, well, yeah. <laughs> and we're all like, oh, okay, cool. I guess that makes yeah, sense. Well, and I would, that is, I would there's, buy it. There's so few games that that require Joy-Cons um, over any other controller. And on top of that, a lot of those games are usually packaged with Joy-Cons to promote um, the multiplayer pay- play. I know Mario Party and um, One Two Switch came in bundles that also had Joy. So you could still connect Joy Cons to this little. Oh, Switch absolutely. If you wanted to, but they just the actual controllers don't come off. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the the 2DS is the perfect example of them just being like, "No, we don't. We don't care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah we will make the entire marketing message about this thing to be the one feature that we then remove." Mm-hmm. <laughs> a Mom, will you later. buy me a 3DS game? Sure, Sarah. Uh, what system do you have for that plays it? The 2DS. Yep. Yeah. No, it's so- this one switches. It's called a switch because you can switch between. Except now, this one doesn't switch. This is the switch that don't switch. Well, and, Nintendo and, and, please, locked. Do not snap your fingers. Do not snap. <laughs> Here's the, the the reality of it though is nintendo still does not refer to the switch as a handheld system they still call right. it a home console like they constantly do that and they say oh you can switch on the go but they never say handheld they never say portable like that and i think the reason is that 3ds is still thriving and still selling well they're still putting out software for it the moment that stops which i can't believe it hasn't yet but the moment that <laughs> stops they're going to put out a switch that is portable and they do talk about it as a handheld. And I think that the timing is somewhere between November and February because specifically of Pokemon gen eight, 
Last year, we saw, or like just a couple months ago, we saw Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. That sold gangbusters. That got a lot of people back into Pokemon that had been gone for a long time. Gen 8, though, is going to be the next true Pokemon experience. We've seen like eight times now, at least, or plus more with remakes and all the, the spinoffs and stuff. They release the two versions. They sell the two versions. People want both. And I think a lot of that has to do with families and them wanting their own um, save file to be able to play through because Nintendo's genius by not giving you multiple save files. You have to buy the <laughs> game again. You have to be, buy two versions to catch them all. And I think that with Gen 8, a lot of little kids are going to have little brothers and sisters that want to play too. And they're going to need their own Switch to be able to do that. You get them a cheaper Switch. You just Nintendo just guaranteed they sold two copies of a game and a new console. It's going to happen. It's, it's diabolical. <laughs> uh, and, and I guess that's, that's true. If, if you come out with a Pokemon game that isn't on 3DS, that's the end of the DS. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's right. There's no reason to have DSs if there's no Pokemon yep. being made for that, right? Yeah. 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 That, that's sound logic. Sound logic. So what, what do you think is the sweet price point? Is this thing like a, you know, 149, 100, what, what, 99? What do you think? Oh, like they'd love it to be 150. I'm sure we're, we're far from that though. I I think 200 even is, is Mm -hmm. still a sweet spot for them where like that makes enough sense for families to be like, all right, well, the last time we bought a switch was two years ago. This, you know, it is cheaper than it used to be. Um, I wish it was cheaper than that, but I don't think it will be. Interesting. Well, man, tons of news this week, tons of stuff to talk about, but also big games. We got Kingdom Hearts to talk about, Mm -hmm. so uh, stick around. But I do have to take a second and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. If you have any reason to have a website, and we all do, there's at some point you're going to need to have an online presence if you're posting a resume or you've got uh, some reason to showcase your work or you want to publish a blog or some other kind of content, even if you want to sell something, Squarespace is the easiest and best way to get your work on the internet. They have easy to use tools. They have great templates you start with, and then it's all drag and drop. It's what you see is what you get. You just throw it in, move it around, make it look how you want to look. You don't have to learn HTML. You don't have to know how to program anything. All of the updates are handled in the background. They do all the hard stuff. They got search engine optimization built right in. They have analytics for you to help grow your business in real time. There's never anything to patch or upgrade. And they've got 24-7 award-winning customer support ready to help you if you run into any problem. I've been using Squarespace for a decade. Uh, JeffCanada.com is built on Squarespace. I love it. I recommend it to my family and friends. It really is the best way to get online. It's the easiest way. And it's the best looking way. The tools are so great. In fact, they want you to check them out. You can actually go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and try out Squarespace yourself uh, for free. You don't even have to put a credit card in. You can just check it out. Uh, You can build your dreams big. Do it yourself. Make them yourself. And then once you like what you've made, then is the time that you actually buy it. And that's the part where we can help you. So if you go to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, you get yourself that free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. You save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. Again, that's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me get you 10% off. Check it out. Use the tool. See how easy it is to make a website that looks great and works super well. Squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. Promo code Jeff sent me. Ooh, 
It is time to talk about the games we have been playing. And of course, the biggest release of the week, the one front and center that we've all put time into is Kingdom Hearts 3. It only took oh my God. 400 years it's to real. come out. It exists. <laughs> Can you guys believe the game is actually out? Because I cannot. I'm holding a copy right now, and I still can't believe I'm not in a dream right now. It is very crazy that this game has actually been released. And it's weird that it came out, you know, the first week of February, end of January. Uh it's just a weird time for such a huge release, but it's happening. It's here. Were you a Kingdom Hearts fanatic, Tim? Absolutely. There are very few things I love in my life more than Disney and back in the day, Final Fantasy. So when Kingdom Hearts 1 uh, first came out when I was in seventh grade, I was in i was absolutely infatuated with it i I needed more i you know i read the lore i like went on forums trying to like listen or read people's theories and everything could not wait for uh kingdom hearts 2 2005 i'll never forget going to to eb games and picking up a copy coming home and binge playing through it having such a great time and then side game after side game after (laughs) side game just beating me down into submission yeah (laughs) Yeah, but 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 all you had to do was wait till 2019, and it all have. If you had only been able to tell yourself, just wait till 2019, and then everything will be fine. Um, oh, I'm glad. I'm so glad to hear that because uh, that means you're the perfect person to be here because that is not Christian or myself. We are we are whoa. not the king. Whoa, really? Oh, Am I speaking man. for you out of turn? I I played a lot of one. <laughs> two, two, I didn't get through because the console wasn't mine. And then over the course of the years in which I, the age I was when I played one, it has now been as many years for three, right? Like that's, I, the yeah. side stories lost me, but the first game blew my mind. I, I mean, Jeff, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Disney guy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen my, <laughs> my Blu-ray and Apple TV collection. Um, I love the, I love Disney. I love the vault. I, th- and I think that's where Kingdom Hearts has been for too long. Um, but yes, Tim is probably a bigger Final Fantasy Square fan than I. Um, but I, you know, I, one was mind blowing back in the day when it came out because it was a time in which we had had great Disney games, Aladdin, um, Mickey's Magical Castle or Illusion, Magical, or Magical Quest, yeah, and such amazing games. But seeing these two come together uh, in an era where the JRPG wasn't a JRPG, it was just rpg right like the good yeah, all the good rpgs true. were those it was like t- the two biggest is peanut butter and jelly right coming together to make this game that was good and i think we've sat i i shouldn't project i've saddled the franchise with all of the side games and side stories and 2.4.1.2 point q releases mm-hmm. um but one was cool <laughs> it was really cool and it yeah. kind of made sense uh, and now I don't know <laughs> the, if it does anymore. <laughs> the, the craziest thing, though, is that you said you bring up the peanut butter and jelly of you know Square and Disney, which is so weird. Um, but really, it's I think that the the real magic is the Disney and Disney and Disney and Disney and Disney. <laughs> like it's crazy that all of these characters and worlds are are together for the first time to see Donald Duck talking to Tarzan, like and having it work somehow. You know, and with with Mickey being this like super cool badass is is awesome. In fact, we may be able to uh, experience what that was like right now. Did Donald Duck talking to Tarzan? Hello, Tarzan. How are you? 
uh, I'm good. <laughs> I just wanted an excuse to do my tongue tag. <laughs> that was yeah, amazing. <laughs> I remember when you were on the Game Over Grey show, you did that, and it blew my mind. And, I forgot about yeah. it. And this just confused me because I was like, did they just have that prepped? And I was like, oh, no. Okay, Jeff, Any Jeff there's, there's one of two characters. That Disney magic. There's a couple characters Tim is going to pair Donald with. we got to have VO ready for all of them. <laughs> I... Uh, Okay. I'm looking for any opportunity to do my Donald Duck of too few and far between. And I've been waiting, what, 15 years for this okay. game to come yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, dude, that's the craziest thing too, is that, you know, you, you say side stories and even I said side games, but it's like the, the ironic thing is when it comes to the story of Kingdom Hearts, the side games are not side at all. They are the plot. They are the story yeah. with the exception of one, obviously, because it was the first. If you play two, with without playing Chain of Memories in between, you have no idea what's going on. You don't know who half the characters are. Yeah, and that was such a bold choice for them to make for based on a P- Game Boy Advance game that happened in between two PS2 games. Yeah, and as they went on from there, some of the games matter less than others, but really, they're not sidesteps. They are the plot progressing for better or worse. Well, it's even crazier that here they are. I mean quite literally at least one human generation later, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you could argue two human generations later. uh, And they give zero Fs about whether or not the audience it, it can keep up with what's going on. I mean, they, See, they are, they're just, I think they do. You think they do? I think they give, they give a lot of Fs. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's evidenced by them like having flashbacks every five seconds and having Mickey explain what's going on constantly. The, the <laughs> thing is, and I know I'm going to get a lot of crap for this uh, because if you say anything negative about kingdom hearts on the internet, it's, you're just kicking a hornet's nest. But, oh, don't worry. I'm going to be, I'm going to be kicking lots of hornet's nests. You're going to, you're going <laughs> to come out looking like flowers after this at the end of the day like there's a magic to this game and it's the disney magic yes. this is why i love it it's why i had to stop playing to to do the show that was hard for me because i want to see this through to the Boy, end i'm having it. such a great time the game is fun you know the game is fun and that's the, the thing that i can say without a shadow of doubt having said that so much about this game is just not good and <laughs> thank you that's fine. You know, it, it is no, I don't think anybody expected it to be anything else than what it is, which is a game that feels like it should have came out in 2007. Yes. <laughs> um, but it has the polish visually of a game that came out in 2019. It looks great. The voice acting is great. The dialogue is atrocious, yes. <laughs> but like we knew that we knew it would be, you know? And the thing is, everyone's always like, Oh, the, the story is like way too convoluted and way too complicated and whatever. Really, at the end of the day, those aren't the problems. The problem is the story's not good. <laughs> I mean, I think there are myriad problems, but I will say uh, that the Disney magic is alive and well in this game. There, er, the Disney fan service is by far the best part of this game. Everything else, I think, is not the good part. Uh, but the every time I'm like, I, I think I might be done with this another wonderful Disney thing will happen. And I'll be like, but I want to see that. Okay. I, yes, I love the fact that this game decides that in the tangled universe, I'm just going to spend, I don't know, five minutes dancing with the townsfolk and it it invents a mini game so that I dance with the townsfolk. Like (sighs) no, very few games would do that. You know, Mm -hmm. this game has a big heart and it kind of (laughs) revels in that. And that's wonderful. I like that. It just is so clunky. 
it so has such a staccato pace of stopping and starting, of constantly uh, – everything is clumsily done. Yes, it's beautiful. I do think it's beautiful. Uh, I very much remember I think when the PlayStation 2 came out and they were like, there's going to be Toy Story level graphics on a, in, a, yeah. in a video game. Now we literally go to Toy Story and there's a moment at the Toy Story world where you like jump out of Andy's window into the big neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And it's like magic. It's like magic. It's like, yes, it this is. is- it, it actually looks as good as Toy Story 1 yes. did. Yes. Like that's the thing. Not as good as Toy Story 3, but as good as Toy Story 1. Yeah. And, and, and also all of that stuff, all of the wonderful fan service moments of like I get to ride the teacups for a second and they look like the electric light mm-hmm. parade. and Or I get to be mm-hmm. in the giant ship you know, and do these crazy – are those things? Do those things get tiresome the four hundredth time I do them? Maybe. No. Are they, the answer is no. I mean, a little. The do, do the does the camera work in them make me completely unable to actually use them effectively as an attack? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but but like the joy of being just completely dipped into the Disney stew is. Is great. Is great. It's just everything else. I I don't think the combat is particularly good. I don't. How far are you? I both of you guys. Uh, I the game says I've played for ten hours. I find that hard to believe. I don't think that that I maybe I was on pause for some. Well, how long have you played and how long have you watched? I've done through Tangled <laughs> World and uh, Toy Story World and uh, oh, okay, cool. yeah. So I'm so yeah yeah yeah. You're about ten hours in. That makes I'm sense. I'm in, the I'm end in of uh, Monsters Monsters Inc. Monsters Inc. I'm in Monsters Inc. now, yeah. yeah. And and the thing about the combat, like I agree with you. It's I feel like it's far too simple for far too long. Uh, where it is just X X X X X triangle X yeah. X X. Wait X, for the X, thing X, that, like, which over and over and, and, and over. the UI is weird because I'm just kind of looking in the bottom left to see when things proc and like I, mm-hmm. you know, that could be much more fun and exciting when it, it could show up in the main screen that I'm looking at and I, instead of a weird mm-hmm. menu on the side where things just kind of stack, it's like, oh, you're ready to do the teacups and you're ready to change your keyblade into something cooler. And you, it's like, okay. Um, and the camera's all over the place and I'm leaping and, and just, yeah, spamming, you know. Floating all over the place, yeah. yeah. But the, the thing with the with the combat to me, and this has always been the case with these games, but I feel like this one took longer than usual, is it's so simple Yet there's so many systems at play where you're like, okay, so there's these link summons, but then there's attractions, but then you can also change your keyblade form. But then also those keyblade forms have this like limit break type move. And it's like, there's so much stuff constantly that I'm like, why, why didn't they just simplify this? But eventually once you wrap your head around all of it and you unlock enough of it for it to be a fun um, system of switching through, I do feel like, and I feel like I've just hit this now about 12 hours into the game where I'm like, oh, I'm having fun switching between all these different things after I've already turned off the animation. So I don't need to see them again. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, being able to just like have the quick menu and going into, to know the magic spells that I'm casting and then when to use them versus my just normal um, physical attacks. It is, it's fun. Is it? I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I hope to find the fun at some point. Um, I have not found any need to use magic at all. Uh, I just find it completely uh, underwhelming and not as cool as waiting around for the cool, you know, uh, team yeah. up attacks or special Disney attacks. Uh, so I think the, I, I'm waiting for the magic system to present itself as being necessary or even any of those things to be particularly necessary. I, I mean, I, I guess I could be playing at a higher difficulty level to make it necessary, but it just doesn't feel like 
I even need all that variety. And I'm not really even sure what causes other than the, you know, the green highlighted enemy allowing me to do the Disney attraction. I don't even really Mm -hmm. know how I'm causing the team ups to occur or how I'm causing rage form to happen. Like it just, it just presents itself. And I'm like, okay, well I'll do that now, you know? Yeah. And I think that kind of, it is what it is. You know, there are reasons for why they happen, but I think they're just built into every battle that at some point they're going to happen. Yeah. And again, I'm not making excuses for this game. It's one of the, probably the only franchise in, on the planet that I can say, and it's not just me. I'm sure there's millions of other people that are like, you know what? I just love this thing. I know it's stupid. I know it's dumb. I know it's bad, but I just love this thing. Uh, but that doesn't take away from from its its faults. Like this game had the balls after 15 years to have you play for three hours before the title screen says Kingdom Hearts 2.9. That's crazy. Like literally, the game has three Kingdom Hearts three logos that come up during you know the cartoons that play at the beginning of the, of the and then the first time you play, it's like no, you're not playing Kingdom Hearts three yet. <laughs> you're mm-hmm. not ready. <laughs> It's ridiculous, you know, and like on one hand, I love it. I love how stupid it is. And like, they're just like, you know what? We're Kingdom Hearts, man. You know what you're getting into. And that's what this is. And I appreciate that level of commitment. But I don't know. I'm having I'm having a hard time with it because I can't stop thinking about it and wanting to to play and see what happens. Because when the game has its epic moments, the boss fights and the the music is amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah, it gets in my head a Um, lot. That's for sure. But when all of it kind of comes together. And you're playing through Tangled World and you're like, man, Tangled was a great movie. And you play through the plot of it and you're like, this is weird, but like, I enjoy it. Like there's just certain moments it builds to. I do think that it, it's cheating a bit. It's kind of like, you know, um, going out and performing on stage and saying, hello, name of the city I'm in. People are going to cheer. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not earned. And I feel like a lot of the epic moments in this, there's epic music playing and they're essentially saying, this is epic guys. You're supposed to like this part. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, and I'm not here to rain on anybody's parade. Like I, I love that you love it. I want to love it because I do love the Disney brand and all of the IP. And I'm constantly like continuing to play. Cause like, Oh look, there's, now the Toy Story universe is open. I definitely want to see that. And then I'm at Toy Story. It's like, oh, you get to be in mechs now. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I want to do that. You know, there's enough of that to keep me going. But I feel like this, this installment had this opportunity to not just preach to the choir, to really bring in people that have never played a Kingdom Hearts before, that, to really like revitalize this franchise and make it relevant for now. And it's been in development for so long. And, and maybe that would lose some of the quirkiness to super fans like yourself. But I feel like it had an opportunity to really open up and be a modern game. And it just doesn't feel oh like God, a modern game. And, and honestly, I would not even call myself a, a super fan. Like it, it, This game, it's, I totally agree with what you're saying, but it was never going to be that. This is season seven of a TV show. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's like the, the, season seven of a TV show isn't going to try to pander to new audiences. They know who they have. They know that they have loose ends they need to tie up. I'm hoping beyond hope and I haven't beat this one yet, so I don't know what's going on. But I'm hoping that the next game is that. It is a like, okay, guys, we're actually going to make a modern game now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're starting starting fresh. It's a, essentially a reboot. And I think that they can do that. It's just at the end of the day, this game feels like a sequel to Kingdom Hearts 2. And I mean that and as in it should have came out in the first year of the PS3 existing. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like that kind of, I mean, there's like, oh, you can climb, you can run up walls for some reason, but only the glowy ones that show you, you can run up them. 
And it's like, hey, this here's this beautiful game. Let's uh, make it ugly by yeah. having this weird glow everywhere. And I'm constantly yeah, being turned around. I get into a big fight and I'm constantly turned around. And I'm like, was I going this way or that way? I don't remember. And then I and then the enemies respawn in areas, so it's like you can't even tell if there's new enemies now because maybe I just backtracked for 20 minutes. And so maybe that's why I played for 10 hours is I've been doing a lot of backtracking. <laughs> no, again, your timing sounds right. Like yeah. you, you, it feels like you're on pace to where you're supposed to be. It's, it's such a, it's a difficult game to, to discuss, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel bad. I don't want to be negative Nancy, but no. And, and that's the thing is like, I, I, I feel like the most fair thing to say is we're not being negative Nancy about it. We're being real and critical about it. That doesn't mean that people aren't allowed to like it and that people aren't going to love it. Um, but it does mean like when we compare it to, to other video games around it, especially last week, I, I beat Resident Evil 2. I cannot believe that game was as good as it was. It's an old game remade to feel modern. If people didn't know that was a remake and they played it for the first time, yeah. they would just think it's an amazing video. Game. And that's what I want. And that is, is, that's what I want. I Kingdom Hearts. And, and, and to play them back to back is it's, it's very telling yeah. of what they each are. But I think for me, that's what I love. And Tim mentioned this already a little bit, but that's what I love about kingdom hearts three is that it, it is kingdom hearts three unabashedly kingdom hearts yeah. three. Yeah. Did it take but too that's long? That's not to usually make? what video game sequels are, you know, I don't know. Some, yeah. A lot of them are, it's the bigger, more bomb. got gears of war two was gears of war, but the sequel halo two was halo, but the sequel It's just, this took the, the complaint is that this, game took too long to come out and so it's a little bit of vestige of its time but i still like that it committed to being what it was and and what it remained And i think you can see some of that i haven't read uh any interview i'm not sure if this is the case but it seems like as the game was in development the graphics got better also like uh you start hercules and it's like this looks kind of rough and then as it gets better and better and better you're like oh oh cool this was a newer movie (laughs) like these characters look better Oh man, I, I I have so many issues with that. Like you're right, like this is a Kingdom Hearts game, and like that is that's cool. But the thing is, Kingdom Hearts two came out in 2005. This game wasn't in development for 14 years. There's been eight games in between, right? And that's what they were working on. This game was announced uh, in at E3 2013. It was probably actually only started like within a year after that. And it's like, so when you look at it, it's like this game has no excuse to feel like it was made in 2005 <laughs> yeah. because it wasn't. Yeah, I would love the postmortem on this. Maybe we can get Keeley to, uh, you know, dive mm-hmm. into this and do another deep dive like he's done so many excellent ones before. Or, or we can get uh, um, No Clip to do a documentary on it, right? Like, <laughs> I yeah. want the inside look at this game because I don't know. Maybe this game had been Last Guardian, right? Like, they did start on it. They stepped off to do something else because they ran into problems of this, that, the other. People got, you know, every member of the band started their own solo project. I, well, I don't know. I would guess that the IP and the dealing with Disney aspect of this is a nightmare. I I would guess because Disney is so tight with their characters. I mean, they, they have the the no pun intended the keys to the castle here. I mean, they have Mickey and Donald and Goofy and everybody else. And I'm sure anything that they wanted to do with these characters had be had to be approved by 400 people and all the way up the chain to make sure that their characters were not being, you know, shown in a negative light, whatever. But the so, side stories had that too. It's not as if Disney was completely non-existent in everything yeah. else in the Kingdom Hearts franchise, right? Like, yeah, true. 
So it, it it's 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 been around. I don't know what this deal is or what it looked like, but mm-hmm. you know, they were able to do all of this stuff. And then my my last kind of point, while I agree with you, Jeff, that the combat is kind of simplistic, it is a visual spectacle. Like when everything mm-hmm. is going off and you're you have that I don't want to call it patented because other people have done it now, but it, it feels like the patented air float combat where you're bouncing between enemy and enemy and it has that um I don't know. It has that certain feel to it. I don't know a better way to describe it. Where you're, you're jump. It's magic. It's, it's, it's magic. Really, right? it's, it's, it's the Disney magic. Like it's it. And that sounds so stupid. Us three adult males <laughs> saying this, but it's, it's true though. Yeah, you're not jumping. You're not floating. You're kind of somewhere in between. And then you team up with Goofy to do a you know bombardier attack or whatever it is. And the teacups come out. Or then you're on Thunder Mountain. And then you land from that and you spawn your water magic and it fills the screen with something else. And then. You, you change forms and you change keys. And I mean, my six-year-old exclaimed in the middle of one battle loudly, this is the best game ever. <laughs> I mean, it is just a symphony of, of, of Disney sights and sounds and who's what's going off. And it's, it's beautiful. My nit for this game. Uh, and there, I w- mentioned this in terms of Anthem as well. There are two things that I want video games not to do anymore in 2019. And one is and Jeff, I told you this offline, and maybe it's a stylistic thing that I don't understand. But one is the stilted, awkward pacing. I think Telltale games have suffered from this, and I think Kingdom Hearts Three suffers from this, where it's like, um, "Hey, Tim. Hey, Jeff. Where are we going? One Mississippi." to mississippi really, one of you gonna, replies you're not gonna tee up donald come on bro come oh sorry sorry on. what are you even doing <laughs> what are you even doing here if you're not gonna seriously i'm playing groundhog day come and i messed on. up so i gotta start again um on. hey tim hey what's up sora mm-hmm. donald oh kiss me why you watch Ah, and it's like that that I, I, that bothers me so much that that it's like edit cut do something and then the 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 sister of that or the cousin of that is in the open world game and this happened in anthem a, a decent amount just in that beta where you're in a cut scene with somebody and they're talking to you and then that cut scene ends and you're still in their space and then they queue up some random npc dialogue that are like so you just had this meaningful cut scene uh, chat with somebody and that ends and as you walk out of their space like oh hey I guess you're just going for a stroll why are you here and you're like I had, or like in Red Dead you'd leave and then Red Dead assumes you're going to do 100 missions before you come back but I don't do that I come right back and they're like oh been a while since I've seen you no dude it's been like 10 minutes I, I want AI to catch up to that stuff those are my nits uh, what yeah, do you yeah. think Donald well <laughs> Like video game. Um, <laughs> it is uncanny. I'm like, I can't believe it, man. <laughs> you have to be able to make money from that somehow. I, I have yet to figure out a way. But uh, <laughs> anybody listening, uh, Donald Duck for hire. Um, <laughs> real quick, one thing I want to say about Kingdom Hearts 3 that uh, is, is a real criticism of mine as a fan of the, the series is the the Disney side of it of like the fan service and all that? I'm actually so far a little let down by it. Hmm. Um, for everything it does right, there's just little things that are off that I'm like, wow, there should be more polish on the Disney specific stuff. An example of that, and I know this is super nitpicky, but like when it's the one thing that I'm praising the game for, like it better be stellar. 
um, you look at the attractions and it's like, oh, they're Disneyland rides, but they're, they're Disneyland rides that look like the um, electrical parade. Like, that's cool. And you get, there's the teacups and there's Thunder Mountain. That's great. Oh, there's a pirate ship. There's never been a pirate ship at a Disneyland park ever. Like, why? <laughs> that's a, out of it's all a very the, farm the, thing. Uh, it's a still in Southern California. It's really close. Like, but do you see what I'm saying, yeah, though? It's like, yeah. okay, you have that, but then you also have the this the um, Buzz Lightyear Space Blaster ride. It's so like, rad. Cool. But it's like, there's certain things you have. I'm like, you really couldn't have just, you know, put literally anything, any of the other iconic Disneyland rides. Yeah. And um, I hear you. the other thing, the other problem it's I have. I think it's Hook's Pirate Ship from the Electrical Parade. And it just happens to move in the exact same way that the pirates ride at Knott's Berry well, Farm. I, I and all of, the, of that swing. But I think I think that's what it is. I think and it's all the, of the other things are actual rides from Disneyland. It does, I'm just you know. I'm just setting the table. I think that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. But uh, the other thing for me that is a bit more, you know, actually a real substantial thing is I'll never forget playing through Kingdom Hearts 2 for the first time. And granted, it was a different time. It was the internet wasn't where it's at now. We weren't getting up to the minute game news. We had to wait for electronic gaming monthly, month after month. And playing through that game, every time I got to a new world, I was shocked at where I was going. When we got to Mulan, I was like, this is rad. I never expected them to go to Mulan. When you do the Steamboat Willie, which is black and white and your characters look that way, then you get you get to Pirates and it's realistic looking. Then you just get to Tron. Then you get, to, it's like every five seconds they did something that wowed me, like totally wowed me. Lion King, your characters became animals and it's like the different looks of each character. The Nightmare Before Christmas um, world, all of that, they just kept upping the ante and i feel like with this game i haven't beat it yet um but from everything we know we've seen all the worlds in trailers and it's really disappointing to me one that there's no huge surprise and two that it seems like 70 percent of the worlds your characters just look like they always do Mm. because in tangled and in frozen those movies don't have unique styles they're just cg movies yeah and kingdom hearts is just a cg game so your characters just look like CG characters. Yeah. Toy Story, they were toys. Monsters, Inc., they're monsters. Like, that stuff's cool. I wanted more creativity like that. Hmm. Even a bit of it, especially because 2 was so good about every step of the way blowing your mind. A couple of comments in the chat room that I thought were interesting. <clears throat> Could 432 said, uh, as someone playing on the highest difficulty, most of the systems still aren't very necessary to use. thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um it's an interesting game. It, it is, I think, wonderful in many ways and frustrating in many ways. Um, I, I still, like I said, I get these breadcrumbs of interest and I keep going, oh, well, I want to see what's around the next corner. I want to see the next thing. And it's chock full of weird, quirky systems that are weirdly deep and you could invest time in, but there's not really any reason to. And, you know, you find the these shit. like games to play on your phone in the game and you you know you have a spaceship you can customize and you've got cooking you can do and but none of it seems essential it's all just sort of thrown in i don't know it's it's and none of what i've said so far even touches on the the wacko story which is i think the least of its problems quite quite frankly i mean i i I tweeted about that the story specifically um and I got a bunch of really well-reasoned responses and I think it's true. You know, one person's uh, nonsense is another person's lore, right? You know, I could think that I'm super into and, you know, other people are not. I, 
it would seem really cool and interesting to me, you know, Marvel lore or whatever that's super dense and weird and doesn't make much sense. Fine. I get it. I'm not even going to criticize that. I just think it's these other things about the game that just, as you said, Tim, make it feel old. And that's unfortunate, I think. Mm hmm. All right, you mentioned uh, playing Resident Evil 2 and you mentioned loving it, but uh, let's go in a little deeper because I'd love to hear your take on Resident Evil 2. It's a game I have decided I'm too nervous Nelly to play, so I'm going to pass on it, but I enjoy hearing about other people loving it. You are missing out on <laughs> one of, honestly, at the end of the day, the greatest games I've ever played. Wow. Wow. It is, it's amazing. Um, it's easily the best Resident Evil game, including four. Um, it I, it is just such an accomplishment, um, for, not just as a remake, but as as a modern game. It is quintessentially what Resident Evil should have been, not what it was, what it should have been. Resident Evil, at the end of the day, is cool. You know, think back to the '90s. Think back. It's like there's zo- it's the zombie game. You're in this mansion. It's you know scary and whatever. But there was so much stuff that we kind of just put up with the tank controls, the inventory system, all these things that like, you know, we've talked for decades now being like, well, that's what made it survival horror and this and that and whatever playing this game. This feels like the director's vision uh, come to life. There's been so many times where we, we play video games and we, we say like, Oh man, like this is what I remember that game feeling like even though it didn't like when you talk about old games, you kind of fill in the, the gaps of it, right? Sure. You use your imagination to talk about um, the magic of super Mario 64, right? You can't compare Mario 64 to, to galaxy or odyssey. Right. It's a joke. But when you talk about how much you loved Mario 64, like imagine your head right now, like your favorite level of Mario 64, it's beautiful, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, it so wasn't. Much to do. <laughs> That's all, like, and it, I'm not even just talking graphically. It's like they're kind of empty worlds. No, the yeah. penguin platform. slide race was perfect, and I will hear <laughs> nothing else. Well, but my point is, like, I feel like Resident Evil 2 is the first time I've ever experienced playing a game and not being like, oh, man, this is what I remember RE2 feeling like, but instead being like, whoa, this is what RE2 should have been. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I kind of felt that with uh, Shadow of the Colossus remake uh, last yep. year. Um, and it's like, that's oh, probably is- the closest I've come to it as well. But this is a step further. Yeah. This, in, instead of that, Shadow of the Colossus solved key issues that the original had in terms of controls uh, and camera. Whereas this one, it's just, it's just, a, it's a different game and yeah. it's better. Oh, you're making me feel like I need to play it. I just, I just don't like feeling that. I, I've seen videos online of Mr. X chasing people, and I just don't want to feel that in my, in my intestines. You know, it is very scary. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like scary things. I like scary movies. I like scary games. I think this is the scariest game I've ever played. The, a title uh, formerly held by Fatal Frame Two. Did you finish uh, Seven, Tim? I did. I didn't finish seven because I was playing it in VR. So that got me. I feel like I needed to play it in VR to play it. And I was too scared Mm -hmm. to play it. So that's my mantle for scariest. But two, this game, uh, as I'm playing it, uh, (laughs) like the thing I tell myself is like, why am I, why am I doing this? (laughs) It was like a good, why am I doing this? It's it's hard to explain. I had felt the same way when I watched the new Halloween, you know, the, Mm -hmm. which is excellent film. And like, I'm watching it. I'm in the theater, like hand script on the armrest. Like, why did I pay money for this? This <laughs> yeah. is so awesome. And that's what RE2 is. I feel like now, I wonder, 
because the remake re1 remake is excellent and it was excellent on mm-hmm. gamecube and the other iterations of it are excellent but i know they've talked about the, the look to do three in this version but i want a one in this version i wonder if there's someone picks up re2 and like this game blows my mind i gotta play one and it's like very mm-hmm. different right like there's no one to this two <laughs> it's so weird it it is weird. Uh, in my perfect world, uh, we don't see a a remake of three. Hmm. Instead, we get a Resident Evil three that is a new mm. story, new take. Maybe take elements from Nemesis, but build off of what this game created. Because to me, this is the Nolanization of Resident Evil games. Interesting. Where it took the plot that I mean, at the end of the day, it's this dumb, stupid B. 90s zombie plot right but they took it seriously like they 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 re-recorded all the dialogue they rewrote a whole bunch of stuff and i think a perfect example of what i'm saying is everybody that played resident evil 2 was like why the hell is the police station this labyrinth of <laughs> just random chambers and just you know like hidden places and all this stuff in this movie or in this game there's dialogue and there's there's um, a whole bunch of like hints that the police station used to be a museum mm. and they explain all these different things of why different rooms are the way they are. And I love that. It reminded me of when I watched Batman Begins for the first time and being like, oh, my God, they really took this weird character but grounded <laughs> it in reality enough that I bought it. And I also appreciate that the game doesn't do the thing that I, I like least about zombie um, media, which is okay. There's zombies, but now there's giant zombies, and now there's this crazy like flying shark zombie. It's like <laughs> this game, it does you know kind of build and build. And there are bigger enemies, Mister X included, but I feel like it's always grounded in the reality of this world, and I believe it. Hmm. Anytime you see something, there's an explanation of what experiment caused it, and it doesn't sound like garbage. <laughs> Reminds me of that scene from Ghostbusters where he's like, uh, well, you sure don't make them like that anymore. No, they never made them like that. <laughs> exactly. The, uh, the buildings. Uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome, man. I love, I love the, the love and the care that seem to have gone into this project. Um, that it exudes that, you know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. like love letter to resident evil two, which is pretty amazing. I vote though, as a fan of the series previously, even though I, Likely not going to play them. Um, I vote for uh, Code Veronica remake. That's what I vote for. That game is really. <laughs> you good. don't actually want that. That's one of those things people think they want. They don't. They don't. <laughs> I enjoyed Code the heck Ver- out of that game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Code Veronica was quote unquote the best Resident Evil game at the time. But now, when you look at it, you're like, oh man, we were so naive. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's why you remake it. You know, you fix all that janky mm-hmm. stuff. You know, that would be awesome. That yeah. would be awesome. But that goes back to what I'm saying is I hope that we get a Resident Evil 3 that's a new game. Take elements from Code Veronica. Take elements from Nemesis, but make it a new thing. Yeah. Uh, all right. On my playlist, I wanted to mention a game I got hands-on with a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I was under embargo. Couldn't talk about until this week, and that is Rage 2. I got to play it, uh, and um, I'm a actually genuine fan of the first rage i gave it a good review at the time a lot of people bagged on it but i really dug the first rage i'm shocked that there's a sequel but i was very excited to get my hands on rage too especially because i knew that avalanche was assisting on it and i was such a big fan of the highly underrated max uh, mad max game uh, which i think is still worth playing it's like 99 cents on steam or something ridiculous you could get it for nothing uh so i highly recommend playing the mad max game 
Anyway, so I got to play uh, Rage 2, not at the from the beginning, so jumped in the middle with a bunch of um, of abilities that you acquire over time, and allowed to sort of have free reign. And Rage 2 is a big open world role-playing game, a shooter, but uh, it you know you level up, you do all kinds of um, missions for all these different factions, and you get to get cooler and cooler abilities and stuff. And it's got this crazy, over-the-top, insane action style that you've probably seen from numerous trailers at this point. All of that is intact. I mean, you are you are a symphony of death. You're on 11 throughout the entire game. It feels, you know, very similar to Doom in that way of just like high octane, pushing forward, able to kill with all these crazy abilities that you have. Um, you know, it, it's just pedal to the metal. But in the context of a big open world role playing game where you're going and talking to people and wandering through cities and developing relationships and having big conversations. So those two styles, I think, are a really interesting juxtaposition. And I was very curious going in about how much that neon look was going to permeate the game, if it was just going to sort of be here and there, little specks of of it, or if it really was going to be everywhere. It's everywhere. The game is neon. It is wall-to-wall neon, which I kind of like. It it, it definitely gives it its own character and its own uh, visual reference point. I mean, there are a lot of post-apocalyptic-looking games out there, and this one doesn't look like all the other ones, which is good. But Except for Far Cry New Dawn. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. That's true. That's true. Uh, But um, it also is – it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. It's very – very neon i mean it's just like it looks like somebody put just put a filter on the game which may be what they did um not that i mean things were literally painted with those neon colors it's almost like there's a filter everywhere so you know it's it's a little much but um i really liked what i played i will say i'm very concerned about the driving which shocked me Mm. because the driving in the Mad Max game was my favorite part. And the vehicle-to-vehicle combat in Mad Max is thrilling and super fun. And I loved doing it. You know, like you would chain it, you know, shoot this chain out from your car and, you know, lasso another car, you know, stick it in their tires and blow out their tires and have these really cool, you know, unscripted, open-world car-to-car encounters. It was awesome. The driving in Rage 2, at least that I experienced, and again, there are tons of different cars in the game. I only played for a short time. I only played a small percentage of what is in the game, but it did not feel good at all. And hopefully that changes. There's still time before the game comes out. But I was very surprised, especially with Avalanche's input. Um, I read an impression that I forget where it was. I apologize to the outlet. I think the headline was Rage 2 makes you feel like a superhero unless you're in your car. And I was like, oh, that... That doesn't read well. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only one that felt that way because hopefully they get that message because it. I couldn't believe how bad it felt to drive. And you you have to drive a lot because it's a huge game. I mean, it's gigantic. Um, so you're going to be driving from place to place a lot. There are big moments where things just start shooting at you from the sky. There's like, you know, the the sort of authority figures. I forget what they're called. But the, you know, the big police state that's always after you. They have these um, awesome spaceships that kind of warp in and will drop guys and start shooting missiles at you. So you're doing car combat. You're you know killing cars here and there. There's a lot of being in a car. 
and none of it felt good. It felt floaty and stiff and it didn't handle good at all. Even not Mm. as, even as good as the first rage from what I remember. So, Mm. um, yeah, that really worried me, but the game has tons of personality and I was surprised at how open it was and how, you know, they kind of just set us loose in the world and are like, do whatever quest you want. You can kind of do them in any order. There's different factions that you can do quest lines for. And, you know, each faction gives you power-ups in a certain division of, you know, abilities. So you can focus on the things you want to focus on. And uh, there's crafting and tons of weapons and all kinds of uh, abilities that you have at your disposal at any given time. So yeah, the, the combat is fun as you're doing it. And it's fast and crazy. Uh, but I do have my reservations about the the open worldness of it because of the getting around. You know, getting hmm. around is not easy. Hmm. So. That's a little bit of a bummer. But there's eh, maybe maybe that's tweak. Maybe that's polish. That's handling and physics or something. I don't know. But because the trailers certainly make car combat seem like a big part of it as well. It's not as if they're trying mm-hmm. to hide the ball that you're going to be spending time in your car. So right. it's unfortunate if that doesn't feel as good as when you're out of your car. Yeah. And like I said, you know, I loved it in Mad Max and I was hoping it would just be sort of cut and paste. Mm. Like, like, just do that again. It was awesome. But uh, no. It's good to hear that you are enjoying it overall, though, because from everything I've seen, it kind of just seems like a meh game overall. Like all the the marketing stuff, I was like, all right, cool. It's it's another post-apocalyptic game, but it at least has the neon aesthetic to it. That's unique. And then we saw Far Cry New Dawn. I'm like, oh, well, it's beating it to market and it has the same look and... Like, I don't, it just kind of feels like two sides of the same coin that I'm not sure anyone's actually asking for. Hmm. Um, but I hope I'm wrong. Well, I, I will say this. Uh, I haven't played Far Cry New Dawn, but the combat in Rage 2 is really fun. I mean, it's cool. it's like Doom. It's like you are just yeah. pushing forward constantly. You're a, a superhuman and you're just jumping in the middle of a thousand dudes and going crazy and like leaping up to the air and fist to the ground and knocking them all back and shooting them up and, uh, you know, have an anti-gravity thing where they clump together and then you blast them. I mean, it's awesome. It, it's yeah. It's that like you are more powerful than any 400 of these guys at any given time. And so you just rush into the middle and go crazy. And that's, that is just, it's just fun. So that wrapped in a skin that's not, just level to level uh it's really a big open world with a kind of hopefully interesting story i i didn't have too much uh insight into how the story is it like i did a a thing where i have to go and and fight for the um fight on tv and the in the you know post-apocalyptic running man style tv show uh that's basically smash tv it's like it's like if you were in Smash TV in first person. So it's like a square room where guys are coming at you from every corner of the room. And so I thought that was really cool and fun. And, and there's a, you know, typically bizarre overlord that rules that who's, you know, gross and sexualized and weird. And I don't know. It, it, it feels like a world that could be fun. Um, and hopefully the story is interesting enough to, to carry a, a big, long game. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful for it. But I, they really need to fix that car combat or it's going to be just uh, excruciating to go from place to place. Hmm. All right. Um, That is going to be our show. We have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Tim Geddes, man, it has been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for being here. Dude, thank you guys so much for having me, man. This has been so fun. It's it's very rare for me to uh to be on other people's shows. I'm so used to just doing ours. So like this was this has been great. 
Well, I so really good. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking the time. And speaking of those shows, I know uh, most people uh, are aware and you have so many of them, but what's the best way to keep up with you and what you're doing? Uh, kindoffunny.com. Uh, we just launched uh, our fourth year of content, Kind of Funny 4.0 is what we're calling it. We did a whole relaunch um, trying to simplify and uh, make everything a lot more clear to people so they know uh, what they can get. We have two daily live shows every day. We have two podcasts that are weekly. Um, it, it's kind of a little bit of something for everybody if you're into nerd culture whatsoever. So definitely check it out. You can follow me at Tim Gettys on Twitter. Um, don't necessarily recommend doing that, but you know, eh, it's a thing you can do if you want. If you need EA to make you a graphic for kind of funny 4.0. <laughs> and, and, and no joke, like that is why I, I look at them doing that. And I was just like, I can't hate on this because we do the exact same thing. <laughs> Well, kudos to you guys. Congratulations on your recent um, funding drive. And thank you. Uh, I'm excited to see what's next for you. That's really good. Yeah, cool. we, we just funded an uh, entire run of uh, world tour meet and greets, and uh, we're Crazy. going to London. So that's pretty that's cool. That's awesome. Congrats. That's great. And you just did Arizona. Is that right? We did Arizona last yeah. week. Yeah, we got San Francisco uh, next month. And then pretty much every month, uh, the first half of 2019, we're going to Vancouver, we're going to um, New York, we're going to Kansas City. We're trying to hit a bunch of places we've never been before um, to, to, to be able to meet everyone that makes this all happen. And then, yeah, London sometime uh, in the second half of 2019. But cool. shout out to everyone for supporting us as much as they have. It is definitely a dream come true. Well, it's awesome to see you guys and uh, the team you've cobbled together. Uh, I mean, even beyond the the starting crew has been mm-hmm. awesome. You know, some some great folks over there. So yeah, we got to get you back up, man. It's been it's been way too long. <laughs> I would love it. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. Uh, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Twitter's the easiest way to keep in touch uh, at Spicer. I stream pretty much just this show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. But that's Sundays at seven fifteen p.m. Pacific time. Uh, if you want to hang out for that, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else I can talk about right now. I can't. There's nothing else I can talk about <laughs> right now. Twitter's good, though. <laughs> and I have a Twitter handle as well. It's Jeff Kanata, spelled with two N's and one T. And uh, if you like movies and TV shows, I also do a podcast called The Slash Filmcast, where we talk about movies and TV shows. This week, we are talking about um, oh, Velvet Buzzsaw, which is a new Netflix movie. Uh, and you can find that at slashfilmcast.com. Uh, encourage people to do that. If you want to email this show, that's at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We appreciate your comments and questions and anything you want to send us over there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Well, let's uh, wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Tim, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. Watch the Hobbs and Shaw trailer over and over and over <laughs> until your entire life is just bleeding out of itself. What a trailer, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I might be the biggest Fast and Furious fan in the entire world. And I was doubtful that uh, that this one was going to get me. I was like, all right, you're, a lot of the elements that I love the most are not in this. I don't know that I need this. And when I saw the trailer, I was like, I was so wrong and I'm so happy I was because <laughs> it is three minutes of just beautiful, beautiful rock action. Uh, but if that's not your thing, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Lucy Camp, a hip hop artist from San Jose. Uh, she dropped her summer camp EP uh, about two months ago. 
It's excellent. It's a lot of 80s synth vibes on the beats. Um, she is an, an up-and-coming rapper uh, from San Jose, and she's just finding her voice right now. She's super technical on the lyrical side. It's very, very good stuff, and she's going to blow up sooner than later. So check her out, lucycamp.com. Very cool. Very cool. I definitely want to check that out. Christian, how about you? Got a parting gift? Yeah, I don't think we've mentioned it, or I've mentioned it, and I feel bad. Uh, Castlevania Season 2 on Netflix. Have I mentioned that yet on here? I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, baby. So good. It's so good. good, And I thought it was great to mention on this week's episode with Kingdom Hearts 3, because it, like Kingdom Hearts 3, I don't think should exist. Mm -hmm. But it is so fantastic and so... odd in all the wonderful ways and it's like true to castlevania while also kind of carving its own niche within this world and it's gorier than it has any right to be the first mm-hmm. season was almost like a trailer for this yeah, second season absolutely and this second season i mean if, if we could swear on this show it, it goes for it man you know like pedal to metal just goes for it uh if you haven't watched it or you thought season one was just oh it's fine whatever season two is like a real a real season and and you know give it a whirl because you already subscribed to netflix anyway right so just, <laughs> just queue it up and, and check it out it's really good castlevania season two very cool we got a listener suggested parting gift this came to us at gmail uh, uh, feedback at gmail.com comes from kevin eddie i think it's either kevin eddie or eddie kevin I think it's Kevin Eddie. Uh, he says, "Good day, guys. Uh, thanks for the podcast over the years. Looking forward to each week. My parting gift suggestion is the comic series You Are Deadpool. This came to mind after watching Bandersnatch on Netflix and listening to Jeff on the Slash Filmcast. It's basically a choose-your-own-adventure book in which you play Deadpool. I think this premise works really well due to Deadpool breaking the fourth wall, and you will need to keep notes of what you are picking up and a die for any fights you get in. There is technically a die supplied." which in itself is a joke. The art changes between the books, which is a nice touch, and I would recommend picking it up physically, as I'm not sure how it would work digitally, plus showing support for your local comic book shop is a nice bonus. It's awesome. I have not read this. That sounds really cool. It's very cool. I I didn't do the whole thing, but uh, Greg Miller did, and I was watching him for a lot of it. Um, He actually did a a live uh, recording of him playing, and it was hilarious. Very unique weird experience not perfect but it's it's definitely a cool thing brilliant uh it's called you are deadpool and it's a comic book series thank you kevin for sending that in if you want to have your parting gift on the show send it in dlcfeedback at gmail.com my parting gift is the lego movie 2 i got a chance to see an early screening of lego movie 2 i was a huge fan of the first lego movie in fact the year it came out it was my number one movie of the year wow so i was certain that lego movie 2 would not live up and i'm here to tell you it does it is no pretty way. much as perfect a sequel as you can imagine it's hilarious it's funny it's I'm hilarious and funny are synonyms it's it's that good it's that funny because it's hilarious and funny it's heartwarming it's adventure filled it's thrilling it's a it's great and it is also a positive wonderful message that warms my heart and I think is needed in the world today. It's, it's wonderful. And if you loved uh, the first Lego movie, definitely go see Lego movie too. I hope it smashes all kinds of records. It is, it is what the world needs. It's the kind of life affirming, beautiful entertainment that, that we could use more of. So check it out when it hits theaters. 
You just sold me on it. Uh, the trailers did not do it for me. I loved the first movie. I loved Lego Batman movie, but seeing the trailers for this, I was like, I don't know, man. I think it's just going to be just a little bit more. But no, you you sold me there. I, I can't wait. I I think you will not be disappointed. It is it's wonderful. It's great. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Tim Geddes and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time. We appreciate you guys. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thank you to you for downloading the show. We appreciate you. And we will be back next week with more. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>